You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Today, we start a new sermon series on the book of Genesis. Let me tell you a couple of things we're not going to do in Genesis. First thing, we're not going to go verse by verse through Genesis because we'd be here for a really, really long time. That would be good. I would encourage you to read through the book of Genesis. The second thing we're not going to do in Genesis is do what some folks do to try to prove how the world was created and by what theories and that kind of thing. We'll get into that in a moment. So that's the second thing that we're not going to do this morning. Genesis is, in a, all the books of the Bible are important, don't hear me wrong, but Genesis is an extremely important book because without Genesis, the rest of the Bible would not make sense. In fact, without Genesis, life does not make sense. So we're going to see that over the next few months of how Genesis makes our faith and our life make sense. So let's start with a little background history about Genesis. Genesis was written by Moses. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. You say, Adam, I don't know what that fancy word is. That must be one of those pastor's words that people like to throw around or that you learn at seminary or whatever. Pentateuch's a really simple uh, idea here. Genesis, or, uh, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, so that's five books. So those first five books together are called the Pentateuch. You hear that word, the Pentateuch, just like we have the shape, the Pentagon, it has five sides. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. So you've learned something new. You can throw that around at lunchtime and try to impress someone that you know what the Pentateuch is. Moses wrote the Pentateuch, uh, and Genesis is incredibly important because it explains the Bible. It explains who God is. It explains who we are. It explains the meaning of life. It explains even the world today. Though it happened a long time ago, it helps explain why the world we live in in 2019 is the way that it is. And so we're going to read Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's right there in, uh, in the pew. If you would like to take that home, you are more than welcome to. That is our church's gift to you. And it's at the very front of the Bible is where we'll be. So we're going to start with Genesis 1, verse 1, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me read that first phrase again. In the beginning, God. The rest of this book of Genesis, and honestly, the rest of the whole book of, that we call the Bible, all of history, all of life, is about God. 
And that's how the Bible starts out. In the beginning, God. So just in this simple phrase of four words, in the beginning, God, we begin to get a small idea, and we cannot even scratch the surface of this, but we begin to get an idea of who God is. In the beginning, God. It's interesting that we don't have the birth date of God. We do not see the creation of God, just that God was. God was there before the world, the universe, the galaxies were created. God was. So there's a fundamental truth that we have to understand is that God has always been. You and I have a start date. We have a birth date when we entered into the world, a birth date. My birthday is April 17th, 1986. You can do the math if you want to know how old I am. We all have a start. We all, as human beings, also have an ending. There will be a time when we will die. We will have an end. God has never had a start God will never have an end. God has always been and always will be. Now that's hard for our finite human minds to comprehend, to wrap our minds around that there could be a being, God, who never had a creation or start or birth date and that won't have an end. This is what we call the eternal nature of God. God is eternal. He always has been and he always will be. So in the beginning, God, at the beginning of time, at the very, very beginning, God. So we, this, this phrase, this four-word phrase, helps us understand the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible is about God. It's his story. It's history. It's all about God. Now, because of God's eternal nature, because he always has been and always will be, therefore he is God. All things are about God. Everything is for his glory. Everything revolves around him. There is something that we have to get through our minds as human beings. It is not about us. Life is not about our happiness. Life is not about us. It is about God. Everything is about God. And so we immediately have to remember that life is not about us. It's about God. So we see first here in Genesis 1 that God is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. In the beginning, God. Now, what did God do in the beginning? He created. He created. I am not a creative person. I have no artistic ability at all in my body. But God is eternal, but he's also creator. He's creative. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's go to verse 2, and we're going to read a big portion, so stay with me. Don't get lost. Look at verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the water, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the the day and the night and to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning the fifth day. And then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and creatures that crawl on the earth. It's a lot there to process here. So in the beginning, God creates, and for the sake of time, everything. God creates everything. Now, there's a real danger that could happen here in verses 2 through 26 to where it's kind of fun to speculate how God created the world. It's fun to debate how long it took God to create the world. Can I explain to you something here in Genesis 1? That's not the purpose of Genesis 1. To explain how God created the world, how long it took him. Now it's fun to throw different theories and ideas around, but the main idea of Genesis 1 is that God created. And as long as your theory starts with God and works out from there, I'm fine with it. 
but it starts with God. God created the heavens and the earth. God created by his word. You see that. Look, look through these different verses. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Verse 6, then God said, let there be an expanse between the water, separating the water from water. Verse 9, then God said. Verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, then God said. Verse 16, God made. Verse 20, then God said. Verse 24, then God said. Are you starting to get the idea? When we read the Bible, when something is repeated, there's a point trying to get across is that God create the, created the wor- world by his word. He spoke it. It was there. God spoke the world into existence. So here's what we need to know about God as creator. When God says something, and you'll see this throughout the rest of the Bible, when God something says something, big things happen. So God creates the world by speaking it into existence. And then we see the other thing that God said after he created something, what did God call it? He called it good. After everything he created, God called it good. So we see the eternal nature of God in Genesis 1 verse 1. We see that God created by his word, and when God says something, it happens. But then we see that God created and he called it good. So therefore, God is good. At the core of God's character is his goodness. Everything about God is good. Everything that God creates is good. You say, Adam, wait a minute. I made the mistake of watching network cable uh, news this week. I understand. I make that mistake every now and then. And we look out at our world and we see a chaotic world. We see wars happening. We see diseases and we see all these terrible things happening in our world today. And it would be easy for us to think and believe that God is not good or that his goodness is lost, that he's lost his goodness. It'd be easy for us to even ask the question, Adam, if God created everything good, then why is it not still good? Well, we'll get to that next week. But everything that God touches and creates is good, and then evil comes into the world. We'll talk about that next week, and it pollutes it. It dilutes it. And we look at what God has created. All of it's good. Let's start with food. Food is good. We need to eat. God has created us to where we need to eat to survive. God has placed taste buds on our tongue to enjoy food. Marilyn and I are going out tonight. We're going to eat some good food. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to enjoy, enjoy God's creation with our taste buds. It's good. But we can abuse that goodness, can't we? 
Because if we eat too much, like I think a great sign of God's goodness is Krispy Kreme donuts. What a sign of God's goodness, Krispy Kreme. But I could abuse that, couldn't I? And eat Krispy Kreme donuts to where I'm overweight and could have all kinds of health issues. We can abuse God's goodness. Everything that God creates is good. And we look at how Satan and evil has polluted that which God has called good. He's polluted it. And we can go all the way down. We can go from relationships to sex to we keep going all the way down and every, all down the list of everything that God has created and put together. It has been polluted. It has been destroyed. But God has created everything and it is good because that is at the core of his being. But look at verse 27. God saved his best creation for last. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, that every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. So as I said, God saves his best creation for last. He created human beings. He created Adam and Eve. And what makes human beings, what made Adam and Eve so special is they weren't like the rest of the creation. Because we did not see here that the fish were made in God's image. We don't see that the the animals and the birds and the livestock and the creatures that crawl on the earth were made in the image of God. No, who was made in the image of God? Humans were made in the image of God. So God created humanity in his image. He created him in the image of God. And then he created them male and female. And remember, all that God created is good. And unfortunately, in today's world and culture, even male and female is up for debate. But God created humanity in his image, and that is why human life is incredibly precious. Because we are made in God's image. You might say, Adam, really, so-and-so is made in God's image? I don't know if I want that. No, we are all made in God's image. All of us are made in the image of God. We are created by Him. And then look down in verse 31. 
again. God saw that all he had made and it was very good. And so God calls the rest of his creation good. And then when he creates humanity, what does God say about it? It's very good. Now there's a lot to wrap our minds around here in a short period of time, but when God created humanity, he creates us in his own image. We see that God looks upon us as very good. We are precious in the eyes of God. Human life is precious in the eyes of God. That is why later in Exodus, one of the Ten Commandments, God would say, thou shalt not murder. Why did God say that? Why did God say, don't kill each other? Because we are made in His image, and that's a precious thing. I don't want to get political. I'm not going to get political because honestly, this is not a political issue. But I believe that scripture shows very clearly that creation and a human life starts at conception. And to deny that is to deny science. And even when a child is conceived and a heartbeat is detected at 18 days at conception, that child is made in the image of God, and to take that life is murder. Now, I also understand that there you may have been here where you've walked through that, and maybe I remember when I was a youth pastor in Birmingham, I had a youth sponsor come to me and explain that she had gotten pregnant in college, and she decided it was the best to terminate that pregnancy and the pain that that caused. So I know that in a group this size that you may have have walked through that before. Can I just express something? God still loves you. And at the end of the day, every human life is precious. So the issue of abortion is not a political issue. It is a church issue. And unfortunately, we as the church, we've lost that voice. And when we do these things to take those lives, we are playing God, and there is only one God, and only He can give and take life. And so God is a pro-life God. Again, that is not has been hijacked by the political arena. God is a pro-life God. Why is God a pro-life God? Because he created all of us in his image. Every human being that is sitting here right now, we are all made in the image of God and our lives are precious. Because God create, what God creates is good, and what God created, you and I, we are very good in His sight. It is precious. I love this idea of after God has created Adam and Eve, and He sits back and it says that God rests, not because God was tired, He enjoyed His creation. God didn't get tired. 
God enjoyed his creation. God sits back and he looks all he's created. He sees Adam and Eve in his creation. And God says that it is very good. And when God looks at you and I, that is how God feels about us as the human race. That God sees us and says that we are very good. We see his love in that phrase, very good. We see his affection towards the human race is that he is very good. Or that he is very good and he created us as very good. And you say, Adam, but aren't we as human beings really messed up? Aren't we broken? Aren't we sinful? Yes. We're going to see next week what happens, thanks to our great-great-grandparents, that that goodness is love we've done. And you say, Adam, what does this have to do with me? It's possible that we have someone here, and you may even be doubting the existence of God. I've been there. You may be wondering, is God even real? Why would God create all of this world? Turn over to Romans chapter 1 and we're done. Romans chapter 1 is a very helpful passage of Scripture. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, talking about God. Paul makes the attempt to describe God. And he says, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, he says, For his, talking about God, for his invisible attributes. What's an attribute? It's a characteristic. It's something to describe God. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. So Paul writes here in Romans 1, we look at the creation that God has made, this good creation that God has made. When we look at it, we look out at the creation of God and we have an understanding of the existence of God. That's why I love to go to Colorado. I love Colorado, all of it, but specifically Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park. I love Colorado because there's something about the mountains that make me feel really small and my problems really small. And it just confirms to me of the existence of God. Maybe you're a beach person like Mary Lane. Mary Lane feels that way about the beach. I see the beach, I see sunburn, I see sand, but I'm coming around. I, I, I enjoy the beach. When we stand on the beach and you look at all that water, that sand and the smell of it, and you see all these unique birds flying around there at the beach. For our anniversary, we went down the, to South Florida and we saw about all the different uh, uh, nature preservation areas there in the Florida State Parks. And you just look at that and how the birds that God created, the plants that are there in Florida and all of that. And you just come to realize, man, in Kansas City, it's kind of boring. But like here in, down there in Florida, like this, the creation's amazing. And you see what God has created there. And we see that the existence of God, we look out at that water and the, the waves crashing in, and you're like, this has to be created by God, and we see the existence of God in that. 
So even as we go out into nature, into our world, and we look at each other, we are a confirmation about the existence of God. And as we'll see as we continue on, God as our creator, he is not this long-distance creator, this far-off being. God wants a relationship with us. This amazing creative creator wants a relationship with you and I, and he did that by providing his son Jesus to come and die for our sins. He, he sends Jesus to make all things good again. And if we believe in Christ, we can be in fellowship with Christ. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you say, Adam, I know the reality of God's creation. I mean, I've heard this story. I may even re- remember being taught in Sunday school as a child with the flannel graph board. I know this. So what does this do for me, faith family, when we look at God's creation and who God is as our, as our creator? That should move us to worship. It should move us to a greater understanding that life is not about us, but that ultimately it's all about eternal God. In the beginning, God. Pray with me. God, it's hard to, for our minds to really wrap around your eternal nature hard for us to even wrap our minds around how you created this universe. But God, this morning we recognize you as God. We recognize you as someone has created us. We recognize you as the one who is good We thank you for making us in your own image and that you desire a relationship with us. Pray that you would continue to reveal who you are to us, your people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We are located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.